this is Preambling, where we turn our useless banter into a whole show so we can cut the fat from our normal episode. This week, we talk about the Reformation livestream and Trop Tell You Drop, midterm predictions-ish, Roe v. Wave, why funding Randy Weingarten is the best move politically, various Canadian politicry, and why apologizing doesn't work. Enjoy. Hello, grace and peace. We're taking anarchy to church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowan Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. the Catechist of Various Bits. <laughs> well done. He pulled it out. He pulled it out. I got to tell you, in, in the pre-show, he was, he was stretching. He was searching for it. And uh, he's, he was really regretting the fact that he had chosen this as his bit. And, uh, but he pulled it out and he got it. There it was. Yes, it is. It is possible that this AKA came directly from the conversation about how hard it was for it to come up with an AKA. <laughs> yes, and he pulled it off, nailed it. Uh, so we are once again uh, preambling. We're bringing uh, the show. Although before we start preambling, I want to make a statement for all of our audience, and then so I'm going to put this on all three episodes um, next week. We are not going to have a regular schedule. We're not going to have regular scheduled episodes, bonus, preambling, all that stuff. We're not going to do that. Instead, what we're going to do is a Reformation Day live stream, and we're going to try and keep it pretty clipped. We're not going to go too long, uh, but we're going to spend some time with the 1644 London Baptist Confession. That's the first London Baptist Confession, and what it has to say about civil magistrate and and uh, and. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, um, something that we wanted to get to last year's Reformation Day stream, but we didn't. Um, and so we're going to spend some time with that. So you can go to our Anarchist Bible Study YouTube channel, and you can find you can find that stream. Re- click Remind Me Later and uh, make sure that you're there. And we're going to start it a little bit earlier. Now, I know uh, uh, we're going to try and start at 930 Central Time and whatever that time is on your other irrelevant uh, times uh things and then uh uh we're going to drop till we drop that's what we're gonna do we're gonna drop till we drop and we're gonna and we promised that we would record it first for our discord uh fans and supporters and so we're gonna we're just gonna go through the night we are going to watch and we're going to stream and stop and stream and stop and we might put the um And I don't know that we'll ever be able to recreate that, but we're going to record and cut it up and produce for you guys our TROP live stream response. And so we will finally talk about TROP. So if you're looking to join us on the live stream, definitely go do that. And and in case this wasn't clear, IOANCAP will be seeing TROP for the first time live. First time. First time live. And so if you're wanting to you join your live IONCAP recap, right. IONCAP react. Yes, right. And if you're wanting to and join, re- and if you're wanting to join us for the actual watch through, first of all, why would you want to do that? Second of all, take <laughs> off your Monday from work and join us, uh, or, or do it or whatever, but you can go to buymecoffeecom slash flyover. And for $1 a month, you can join our secret discord channel and watch the insanity take place. And so, uh, we're, <laughs> and Patrick says, Oh gosh, why would you even watch that show? That's a great question, Patrick. <laughs> Phenomenal question. Why would I do that? 
Uh, but that's what's going to be going on next week. So don't expect your regular scheduled um, anarchist Bible study programming next week. And so, and that, but then expect some additional content to start coming your way. Once I start chopping that baby up. Um, Speaking of chopping up, I, I'm so glad that you got your, your, your tight, 30 or 40 minutes that you were looking for in introducing this concept yes. uh, for each of the episodes. Um. You know. <laughs> uh, but we are preambling now. We are firmly in the preambling section. We are uh, talking about current events, things that's going on. Um, you know, I believe there's still a war going on. We keep tiptoeing our way toward joining it. Um, that's fun. Um, politics is happening, I guess. Um, Politics is always happening. Well, the U.S. is the U.S. is having midterms. Yeah, and that'll be on, happening soon. Is that on Tuesday? Uh, not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. Following Tuesday. Okay. okay yep. Okay. So by, oh, the time, right, by the time we preamble yeah. again, those will already be done. Okay. So we'll know. Yeah. True. Who is ruling us true, for the okay. next two years? So okay. So do you want to do a not a prediction? Um. I mean, I don't have anything new to add. Like, it seems like the general consensus is Republicans are probably going to gain a lot, uh, probably going to take the House, and Democrats are probably going to gain a little bit in the Senate. That's 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 what I'm seeing um, for most of the un, uh, most of the people I'm watching is is that that's kind of the way it kind of looks. I think that was the conventional wisdom was that there was going to be a divergence there and and democrats would pick up a seat or two in the senate republicans would take the house i i, I think i think now conventional wisdom is republicans might take all of congress really i think i think that's what it seems to be because even even your even your Nate Silvers and and your um you know not so not necessarily right wing commentary um okay seem to be seem to be sort of coming Nate I, I know Nate Silver said this week that um that their model is showing that it is more likely that Republicans have complete control of Congress than that Democrats get a split okay um so huh. Uh, so neither of those are over fifty percent likelihood because because of the other permutations mm-hmm. of possibilities uh, having some likelihood, but but that but that the the most likely outcome is complete control by Republicans. Okay, that's interesting. Um, uh, I, I kind of like that idea. Uh, Warring powers is always, uh, Hey, <laughs> always democratic beneficial. president, Republican Congress is, has actually not been a terrible situation that, that historically has been years. the best case for Liberty as, as, uh, as for spending those... at least. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, about... Spending is a big issue right now. Of course. Yeah. So, yeah. And so that's when the Republicans so, follow through on their threat to be fiscal conservatives. Well, and and now you have a a staunchly um, originalist, textualist Supreme Court. 
Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, you actually have seven, either originalists or textualists, because even, mm-hmm. even, um, um, not Sotomayor, obviously Kagan, Kagan. even, even Kagan, though, though on the liberal side of things is coming to it from an originalist, yeah. a, a, a liberal originalist reading. And- so, and that certainly cuts out any like all you know all the claims that they're trying to pack the court like that undermines that whole attempt. Like, there's no way you can pack the court if you don't own the Senate. Oh yeah, and yeah. If you don't control the Senate, there is no packing the court. So yeah. So, um, although if <laughs> if they if they tried to pack the court with a narrow narrow Senate. And and with Republicans holding the House, that would yeah, that would be seen so widely as so illegitimate yeah. Um. So I, I'm I I just I don't see that happening. But I mean, it's not the most brazen thing they've done, even recently. So, yeah. um, <laughs> um, so. Anyway, but but yeah, I, I think um, the interesting thing is like some of these races should have been over in favor of the Democrats. Some of the Senate races should have been over in favor of the Democrats, and they just couldn't stop getting in their own way. They can't stop running I, on abortion. Most notably, most notably Fetterman. Yeah. Oh, Fetterman. Yeah. That's not not running on abortion. Although but, him uh, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's running on. He's definitely running on abortion. I mean, like, this and, is just, and I mean, not it, helping. But it's a, it's such a losing issue. Like, like I'm sorry. Like the blue hair. It's it's kind of the same issue that Eric July always talks about with the blue hairs in in uh, who are working for entertainment industry, convincing the CEOs that this is a winning issue. No, it's just that they're loud. Like no one's like this is not the majority right. and this is certainly not the majority of people who show up. You know, the majority of people who show up. You know, for I mean like like on the fence Democrats are not going to show up for abortion rights, especially when they start running these these First of all, they start running these horrible campaigns. Like like these like that article that came out where they tried to pass off the tissue of uh like like embryonic tissue as a fetus. And I was like, see, oh my gosh, how could anyone consider this a baby? No one ever considered the tissue a baby. No one has ever considered the embryonic sac a baby. They considered the embryo a baby. And that's literally not what they were sharing. It was so, it's such a brazen move that like even pro choicers were calling him out on that and being like, um, no, this is not right. I, I, they're just dedicated to losing on this issue of abortion. Like I, like I know what Dave Smith is. I think he's called it wrong where he said, I don't, I think he said he thought it was a bad idea or it's going to be a bad electoral decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. But I, I don't think he understands the fact that how, how out of touch with the base um, the progressive wing is on, on this subject. 
Like there still exists the pro-life Democrat on the ground who holds their nose and votes Democrat because of other issues and are like, yeah, I just wish they weren't. Um, well, and, and how energized actually, the pro-life base is. My, my read of the situation is certainly, okay, I can certainly speak for voters here in Alberta. And I think, I think it's probably this way almost everywhere. The fiscal liberal social conservative is actually way more common than the social liberal fiscal conservative that the chattering class is, that so dominates the chattering class. Um, um, Patrick says he's, so, he's actually, he's, he's recently said that he's probably wrong on that. So four or five, and, okay. and I'm, I'm a little bit behind on my POTPs, which is probably why I didn't pick that up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Someone, so, um, yeah, at, um, at, at the big shindig that we're going to talk about later, I think someone, uh, we were talking about the, uh, the American midterms and, uh, and, and someone used the term Roe v. Wave, uh, that, uh, (laughs) that, that, uh, you, you might, uh, you might get, you might get the victory at the Supreme court and then get vindicated at the ballot box in the same year. Because as much as that, like as as much as the left just keeps going on and on about how like, Oh, we got complacent. We got complacent. I think the pro-life side had gotten, um, not, uh, they had gotten, um, this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, disheartened maybe that's not the word that's not the word i'm looking for but it's kind of um but that's that like like a lot of the there i i would say i was one of them who kept going like being like you know what is this ever gonna happen like right do we just like and, and we even like i had been up to that point i even like up to the point even up to the point of people like talking about electing trump again being like Man, like, what's been the argument? Okay, elect a Republican president, and then we fill the court, and then we overturn Roe v. Wade. That hasn't happened. It's still it's still not happening. Like, how many times can we go to that well, that argument for voters, and people keep following, showing up, and then it happens, and then it's like, whoa, so we can do this? Like, like floodgates open we can actually accomplish this and so all of the 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 people who are like disenfranchised by it were started or or just not disenfranchised that's that's got voting references but like who are um disheartened and and the wind was out of their sails suddenly the energy's back and and we're we're ready to push on on local elections i think you're gonna find a lot like local elections in states red states are gonna find huge push of candidates who are going to push for uh, anti-abortion legislation in their states. And, and also the fact that the Senate is saying when, or that, that the Democrats are saying that when we take the house back, we're going to make it a federal law. We're like, ah, we just got this. We're not letting you do that. Right. And I think you're going to like, I think you're right. The Roe v. Wade. That's a great analogy. Like that's, that is going to, I think that's happening. And, um, and then you add the fact that, the the feds have the audacity to now start sending the FBI after right. 
uh, after pro-life activists, people who are just lining the halls and pray. And when they're told to leave, leave and who are outside activate, who are just praying and singing out the audacity of singing hymns in front of an abortion clinic of trying to use persuasion, to try and convince people to not, have an abortion who are offering. And I know what these people are saying because I've, I've watched these protests because I follow these people. They're saying, please let us have your baby instead of killing it. They're saying, please uh, do not, do not take this life. They're begging uh, for, for the mother's life as well as the children to say like the, the damage, the irreparable damage is going to do to your soul. And they're and, and right. like, the audacity of going after them and call <laughs> with with feds breaking down the doors. I think that is going to backfire huge for them. Well, and I think I've I think I've said this before on this show, but uh, the to to find prayer at an abortion clinic to be threatening to the abortion clinic could only be true if there is a God and he hates abortion. So if you believe prayer at abortion clinics must be punished, that can only be true if there is a God and he hates abortion. Yeah. In which case, maybe reconsider. Maybe reconsider what side you're on. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, insert gif. Are we the baddies? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it's just like they're, the the phrases they've been able to um traffic on in the past are just letting them down. I think they're dealing with a whole different pro-life movement. A pro-life movement that's been and, and honestly this is where the Trump phenomenon has really helped them where we've learned stop playing their games, stop letting them move the the conversation. We're not going to play that game anymore. Like we're not going to play your games anymore. And saying like we're just, I think it's a different pro-life movement. And I think we're finding that boldly pro-life people are, are activating pro-life voters and they're moving independents who are like, you know what? I'm not sure I like this, but I mean, are they really going to do anything for it? Like they're, they're getting up and moving. And I think also there's garnering sympathy because as much as Swalwell's video of a mother being arrested is going to tug at the heartstrings. First of all, it would have to be better quality to tug at the heartstrings. That is the most, uh, uncomfortably poor acted video I've ever seen. Um, but as much as that's going to work, I'm going to say that more damaging is finding out that they're busting down the doors of, of dads and, uh, and old and old grandpas. And dragging them away in handcuffs because they were praying for people at an abortion clinic. I'm sorry. You're not winning sympathy that way. And this is where, again, the left has learned how to strong arm everything on this conversation. They have, they have not had to make an argument. They just call you racist, bigoted, anti-woman. And that they expect that to do the work for it. And to use force if they can't get that to work. And now they don't know what to do. Uh, like it's once, you know, like, like when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. They don't even know how to do anything other than hammer. And it's going to backfire on them huge. I think, you know, and, and I think especially, and also like you throw in the, your subject, the school choice wave going on that, that, um, 
between those two issues and the fact that they, that that it's a terrible, crappy economy and there's no way for Biden, I'm sorry, as much as he tries, there's no way for Biden to push it on Trump any longer. Like he can't he can't get away with trying to blame Trump for it. This is all coming up bad for the Democrats. And this is a situation where it's lucky that the Democrats are holding the bag because the Republicans could just as easily have been caught holding the bag on the subject when the federal reserves involved um the inflation's going wild anyway the republicans could easily have caught the bag and then suddenly we're heading towards socialism this is one of those lucky well, moments yeah i mean and and that kind of did happen with the financial crisis of 2008 obama. yep that's why clinton wasn't good so, enough for the democrats when obama was running partly because obama's just Lightning in a bottle, excellent political um, charisma. Like, really, it's not even his his strategies that his charisma is just so was just so good. But also, like, they weren't into another uh, another centrist corporate 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 I guess you could call right. it. Like, that's not what they're looking for, and and that's why Hillary lost out big in that in that pre, in that. Um, um yeah uh in that race but yeah um that went faster than i was expecting it to um so well so i just we we talked about we talked about crazy rhetoric from the dems i i hope you saw the stacy abrams uh, having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. Oh, it's yeah. why you're, you're concerned about how much food costs. Oh my gosh. She is very bad at this. <laughs> She's very, very bad at this. I really hope they keep running her forever. Like what's and... the opposite of a political genius? <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if Hillary Clinton is any indication her being amazingly alienating to most of America will not keep them from continuing to basically sink her while living. Yeah. Um, so I mean, really so, Republicans need to be uh, Georgia Republicans need to be sending regular checks in two directions, one to their local party and one to Stacey Abrams uh, election campaign. Like they need to just keep putting her up as much I, as possible. I would I would say also buying gas for the Randy Weingarten campaign bus would also be a good move. Um, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, like uh, man, like where's like, that Koch brothers money? We need to start funneling. It there. <laughs> yeah, keep Randy Weingarten on the road. Corey DeAngelis will never uh, run out of things to talk about. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> And, and then and then their like one argument against every school choice person will go away because Randy Weingarten will have taken coke money. Um, it'll be a beautiful thing. <laughs> you know, like I feel like that's why. Yeah, keep her in Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we let her back. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Did she get a COVID test first? Uh, let's see. Uh... <laughs> oh man. Oh. <laughs> Have you, um, okay. So did you, you guys got some, um, you've got a new premiere. Talked a little bit about, yeah. about her. And, yeah. you did, oh, and then you and had let, the camp. Let, so we had, 
we had school board elections in British Columbia, mixed results. Okay. Um, but if 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 you against all my imprecations are still listening in Ontario, you have school board elections today. Uh, if you're listening on Monday, this comes out on Monday, right? This comes out on Tuesday. It's too oh, late. Okay. If if you against you all it. my imprecations still listening in Ontario, you have failed to vote in your school board elections. (laughs) (laughs) You have a chance. It's done now. Um, Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) So, and, and, um, and there's been some, there's been some interesting stuff, like just the, uh, the, let's call it the anti teacher union side is just not as organized. Um, uh-huh. and, Which is and that, typical and of the populist movement. Absolutely. And that's the main, uh, uh, it's almost as if it would be useful to have some sort of, I don't know, parents union type uh, institution. That's an idea. It, Do it they is. have anything like that? Uh, uh, not in Ontario. Not yet. Um, yes. <laughs> um, See, Jeff has world so, domination plans. He's it's like <laughs> he's not stopping until every every single uh every single territory, every single state, every single province, every single country in America is filled with a parents union. And that's and only I, then will he stop. I wanted to make sure that my country, everywhere in my country had a parents union, but then also Ontario. Um <sighs> this is this is why we will never get invited onto the Sixth Sense Report. Like we'll keep inviting them onto our show, but we're never getting invited on theirs. <laughs> got a good got a good shout out from the Six Sense Report did, when they did. were um when they were talking about that that teacher uh in yeah. uh Haldeman. Uh not was that Haldeman. this week or last week? Uh it was the last one I listened to. Oh no, it was last week. It was last week. There's yeah. been another one that I haven't gotten to yet. Um but um uh, but yeah, so got a good got a good shout out when they were talking about that teacher um, in um, Oakville, Oakville. Yeah. Um, I don't I, like. I only know I only know writings in Ontario. I don't actually know Ontario geography at all. Mm-hmm. I just know like, hey, here's a writing we can win. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really that's really all I know. Um, so. Uh, so anyway, uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, which, which, funnily enough, is the absolute opposite of every Canadian you've ever heard talk on any other podcast. Anyway, um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah. So, um, so, well, okay. Sorry. While we're on this school board thing, let me, let me, let me get into my rant because um, which so, which. My bad. <laughs> go on, go on. Yep. <laughs> um, so, so Saturday, this, this past Saturday, um, there, there was a, uh, a rally in Edmonton called a, a rally for public education. Of course, it's owned by the teacher union. And so they're, uh, so, so you are doing my normal boomer thing, um, and and playing the YouTube video. No, no, no. Um, uh, it's a whole other thing. Go on. <laughs> I'm okay. not hearing it though. You're fine. 
<laughs> oh, okay. Only <laughs> well, good. The people who do not have to be able to focus on what they're trying to say aren't hearing this. So that's useful. That's right. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> anyway, so the, uh, so yesterday, uh, not yes, what, whatever, Saturday, um, there was a, a rally at the legislature. No one was in the legislature. So it was just, you know, the legislature was kind of the backdrop for the rally, um, where they were, um, it was a, a rally for public education. Um, and, and of course, thrown by the teacher union. So when they say public education, they mean to the exclusion of every other option. Right. Um, and they're advocating for the abolition of charter schools, defunding independent schools, uh, with what most places call private schools, um, everything like that. And, um, because, yes, sorry, if this is your first time listening, Alberta has significant amounts of school choice. Um, and, and so so they're arguing to roll back the school choice. And the, and the Alberta Teachers Association, um, in their heart of hearts, I'm sure, holds the position that even the, even the Catholic system should be abolished, which is 30% of, uh, 30% of their own members. Um, um, but anyway, so, so, so that's one thing, right? You expect teacher unions to be holding that position. Um, uh, unfortunately, even though, as we've talked about before, school choice is good for teachers, but it's bad for teacher unions. So, um, so you expect a teacher union to hold that position. What, what was really enraging was that this rally was co-hosted by the Alberta School Councils Association, uh, which is an organization that is supposed to represent parents, it's supposed to represent all parents. Yeah. Um, and yet they were also at this rally arguing to defund independent schools, to abolish charter schools, um, and, uh, and to, quote, fully fund public education. I, I would love, I would love to, so Northland School Division, the most failing school division in Alberta, gets $30,000 per student per year with no increased results. When, when we spent um, $3.4 billion on the Alberta class size initiative, which saw class sizes increase, uh, and a ridiculously outsized amount of that went to Northland School Division, which definitely, assuredly, saw class sizes increase. Um, so we throw good money after bad in every possible way and see no better results so what exactly is fully funded? Right? Now, look, I do want to spend more money in Northland School Division, but not just throwing money at more and more bureaucracy, more and more layers that are, that are going to be useless to those kids, and half of which are not even going to live in the area. Um, they're never going to drive up uh, into these 
into these northern school divisions. They're gonna they're gonna stay in Edmonton, um, and uh, and and try to do their job to try to do their job from there. But anyway, so or or perhaps not try to do their job from there. Whatever. Um, but anyway, so what I would be entirely in favor of seeing teachers be able to make more to go to the worst school division in the province. It, it, for one thing, it's more expensive to live there because it's way far north. But for another thing, you have, it, it's, it's harder. You have, you have bad absenteeism. Uh, you have substance abuse issues. You have violence. You have, you have all sorts of, all sorts of extra issues I think, I think we should be able to pay more to attract the best teachers to, to want to go there and to want to, to make it worth it and to, to want to go there. As it is, because of the union and because they don't want you to be able to be an enterprising teacher who can take some risks and make a lot more money, um, they want you to be dependent on their central bargaining table. Um, you can't make very much more you can make a little more it's like forty thousand dollars more a year or something like that which which is not even as much as as, as it doesn't even co cover the increased cost of living to live up there um and so uh so anyway i don't so i don't even know what fully funded is supposed to mean in this context, but here, here supposedly is the representatives of the parents, the the government funded representatives of the parents, um, arguing right in lockstep with the teacher union for uh, for a fully funded public system, whatever that means, and nothing else. Um, and um, and so, anyway, if if you follow me at, at jparkyyc, you will you will see that I I uh, uh, about this uh, that um, uh, that you'll be able to you'll be able to find uh, it's it's currently my pin tweet on probably until I write another op-ed, which might be very soon. Um, but anyway, um, so, uh, so anyway, but, and uh, so, yeah, obviously my take on that was we need something like a parents union. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, but okay. You were wanting, <laughs> you were actually trying to get me to talk about Alberta provincial politics. I know your favorite topic that you're always trying to get me to talk about just, yeah, I'm just pulling up a pulling, just pulling up something else to work on. So just going to wind you up and let you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Every, every, every week I land cap says, says, can you please do a solid 30 minutes on Alberta politics? Um, because I've got things to do. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so angry birds, the, here we go. <laughs> So, so the um, the United Conservative Party, the 
the the currently ruling party in Alberta um, just had their their AGM or their their convention um, for the year. So uh, so new new leader rolled out a um, uh, so had uh, had their convention. The uh, the New Democratic Party was having their convention in Calgary um, at the same time as the uh, UCP was having theirs in Edmonton. Um, that tells me I think the NDP has a better understanding of where the battleground is going to be in six months in the election because. Uh, it's not going to be in Edmonton. Um, uh, they're, they are, um, the UCP is fighting for one seat in Edmonton, I think maybe two and, and for the seats around Edmonton. Um, they're not really fighting all that much for Edmonton proper. Um, uh, but then the, uh, but then probably 13, 14 seats in Calgary up, are up for grabs. So, uh, so anyway, I don't know. One, one side seems to understand the fight they're in better than the other here, but, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, so, but yeah, had, had an annual general meeting, a, a convention um with the with the new leader and um and uh, uh oh and right before that the new leader announced her cabinet and um so yeah before before this weekend i thought we were going to come on and talk about how Daniel Smith, the, the supposedly libertarian leader of Alberta, can't stop backtracking and apologizing for everything. And, and we maybe should still talk about that because, oh, dear Lord, is she terrible at that? Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, the amount of apologizing that she's been doing this week and, and for, for things that she never needed to apologize for it. Well, you never need to apologize for anything. Never apologize. Never back down. Yeah. Um, of course, of course the, uh, the leader of the NDP was the next day after the apology for what she said about Ukraine. That was correct. Um, <laughs> the, the next day, the leader of the NDP was saying that her apology wasn't good enough. Yeah, it's like, because it never is. Right. Stop bending. Right. So, so you're not you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to so a bunch of a bunch of people did step up to defend her statements about Ukraine. Now they look like idiots, right? Um, so you leave your own people hanging out to dry. Um. It, same with the comments about the unvaccinated being the most discriminated uh, group in her lifetime um, is uh, like 
yeah, I think I would have avoided, avoided saying that in the first place. But after you said it, dare not apologize. <laughs> like, and especially because a bunch of people defended you saying that, and and now you've hung them out to dry. This was my one of my biggest problems with Trump was the way he treated the people who were trying to defend him. <laughs> the way the way he treats his people um, is abysmal, and and you're getting shades of that with with Daniel Smith. Um, but, uh, but the, the cabinet announcements and, and the convention, I think made it extremely clear that the supposed divisions in the party are extremely overblown. Okay. I, I always thought, because I, I'm not sure how much we talked about this, but, um, but uh, um, but back when back when the Alberta Sovereignty Act was nuttier than a squirrel turd, instead of instead of um, being the thing that won the election, um, a bunch of uh, a bunch of MLAs were saying that they would vote against it. That 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 that. It wouldn't matter even if Danielle was the leader; they would vote it down. And I, and I was saying at the time, um, it is hilarious to me to even contemplate that these people who could never develop a backbone for all of COVID are going to suddenly develop one over this. It's not yeah. impossible, but it's just like that. Just makes you the like despicable humans. It's not even yeah. like, <laughs> um, and. Um, but yes, sure enough, like, if you were going to vote against this, you would have said no to a cabinet position. Um, a maximum of four people said no to a cabinet position, as far as I can tell. Mm. Um, uh, a maximum of four people that, that might have been offered a, a cabinet position. One of them a little known, little known backbencher named Jason Kenny, um, who is now a backbencher because he either was not offered or did not accept a cabinet position. But either way, because Better than offered one, well, because he because you you can't be offered a cabinet position if you're not going to support the leader. Yeah, like that's that's just how that works, and I like. I wish it were less that way in a Westminster system. Um, but, but that's the way it is. And, and so I don't know. It makes sense. Like the people around you act like exec executing your policy. It makes right. sense that you want people who are going to be loyal to you. Right. Like that's why right. like, everyone got up in arms about Trump being like, I expect loyalty from his FBI director. Well, isn't that what a president should expect? I'm sorry. Like I just, I thought that was a big nothing, big old bu- bu- big old bucket of nothing. Go on though. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and uh, apparently Jason Kenney is not returning phone calls to the now premier even about the transition, much less wow, much less about cabinet work. So sore loser. Also, by the way, um, the member of parliament for the area of Calgary that Jason Kinney lives in 
has announced that he's retiring, which seems suspicious. Huh. In other words, this would be a landing spot for him. He'd just go back and run for parliament instead of national parliament instead yeah. of um, 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 instead of stick out even the next six months of his term um, as a as a as a little known backbench in LA, um, but uh, but maybe. Maybe it really is just that. Um, maybe it really is just that, because the the federal conservatives also have a new leader, and and it will not surprise anyone who knows anything about this part of Calgary that the the member of parliament that's stepping down is a conservative, um, and um, um and. Uh, so it's possible that the new leader of the federal conservatives just said, "Hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna quit, go ahead and do it now, so that we can have your replacement in place um, before the next election." Um, Makes sense. Seems a little odd because he's the only one who's announced, and he announced right after Jason Kinney was no longer having a real job booted. Um, yeah. And, uh, sorry, arguably Jason Kinney hasn't had a real job since he was 17, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it's a nice life. Um, swing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, no, I, so as someone who runs an advocacy organization, I would have to say that his time at the Canadian taxpayers federation was a real job, but then, Ever since then, he's been a politician. So, um, uh, so anyway, but, um, but yeah, so, but, uh, so yeah, Danielle Smith put her cabinet together. There are several people on that cabinet team who are the people who have, who said that they would never vote for the Sovereignty Act. And, now they're in cabinet and hmm. aren't exactly making any noise about the sovereignty act anymore. Hmm. <laughs> um, Interesting how that happens. Yeah. And, and by the way, it's like um, how every Republican became America first after Trump won. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. America first was no longer like a, a Nazi yeah. slur. Um, <laughs> well, now it's only with, a Nazi slur to the left. Right. But, but, but there were Republicans saying that, um, that it was like, this is not the language and we shouldn't become a European style, uh, right wing party, by the way, I agree, but, (laughs) um, uh, with, with that part, the European style, uh, party, but, uh, I would rather not become a European style anything. Right. (laughs) Um, um, but I, uh, uh, I don't. Uh, uh, but I, but obviously, I don't have any issue with the with the term "America First" because I I happily use it for my country. Again, Alberta, um, Alberta First. I I have no same. I have no Me issue. Too. With that. Iowa First. <laughs> yeah, 
Iowa supremacy. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it, it looks it looks like uh, you know winning winning covers a multitude of sins, yeah. um, <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh, it look <laughs> looks like uh, looks like winning can be very unifying. Um, and and I should say that um, the guy who came in second, Travis Taves, um, who who we've said was the more socially conservative, and and so I had some I had some some affinities to him as well um, is uh, uh, he got, he got 33 of uh, he got 33 endorsements from caucus right out of the gate. As soon as he started running hmm. at which I can't remember how many people are in the UCP caucus, but that's more than half hmm. by definition. So there was, there was no path to forming a cabinet without Travis Taves' people, obviously. Um, and, and, and I'm glad she didn't try. So Travis Taves has gone back to being the finance minister. Um, uh, Brian Jean, her, her other uh, most notable opponent, uh, top three finisher. Um, he's, he's been given, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, I think it's like trade, uh, trade and Northern economic development or something like that. Um, so very, very fitting, very fitting to his skills. And, um, and, uh, I'm sure he probably, well, I don't know if he wants health because I was going to say, I'm sure he probably wanted health, but I say that because he's run on health oh. multiple times in his career um run on health policies but his health policies are pretty different than danielle's health policies so it doesn't really work and also i'm not sure anyone wants health right now because mm. <laughs> because coming out of covid because uh smith has promised big changes on the mm. health file and so it's you're you're very likely going to become unpopular in that role so i'm not sure anyone actually wants it um so the the person who was health minister before the race is health minister again um and um uh and yeah all of all of the other leadership candidates who who had a seat um except for Leela here um the uh the commie who made a video about Roe v Wade and and um and opposes school choice and and uh uh and who we've talked about before who was just so wildly and we and we were joyfully pointing out that she got 1.6 percent of the vote in the leadership race um which is probably less than the number of people who crossed over from the ndp to vote in the ucp election <laughs> um so she she very possibly did not get a single conservative vote um but um, anyway, uh, so she's out of cabinet. Everyone else who ran for leader is is in cabinet, um, including Todd Lowen, who had been kicked out of caucus um, for opposing Jason Kenney. He is now in cabinet. Um, I believe it's um, that's a meteoric uh, rise forestry. I'm sorry. That's a meteoric rise if I've ever heard one. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were, we were saying that, um, um, that he's now technically establishment, which is strange, <laughs> right? Like by definition, if you're in cabinet, you're establishment. Um, it's very strange. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think he's forestry, forestry parks and some forestry parks and tourism or something like that. Anyway. Um, so I has, have thrown together a couple departments into a, into a, a pretty powerful role took parks out of environment. So parks is now with tourism and forestry, I think. Um, and isn't normally it's environment and parks go together. So she really nerfed that ministry and, and split off forestry from agriculture, which is good because they don't really exist in the same place ever, <laughs> almost by definition. Um, so it's usually been agriculture, forestry together. She's put that off um, and uh, and put it with with parks and tourism, I think. And that's that's Todd Lowen who had been kicked out. So anyway, um, sorry, that's that got a little too inside baseball. Um, but because uh, it didn't start um, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> um, but yeah, there. So point point being. Um, it showed that that the the start to the Daniel Smith premiership not as rocky as it might have looked. Still, still worried about all the apologizing, but not as rocky as it might have looked um, based on based on the cabinet she put together. And then, so the next question is: All right, so the caucus is behind her. So is the party behind her? Um, and the AGM answered uh, or the convention answered that with a pretty resounding yeah i mean obviously we just had the election so uh but but okay but she only got 53% is the party deeply divided are there deep are there there deep divisions based on that leadership race and the answer is no mm-hmm. um the 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 party is very much behind her um the um None of the members of the board of directors for the party that were widely considered to have been helping Jason Kinney hang on for longer than he should have been. Well, widely considered. Like, I don't have to talk around this. They moved the, they moved the leadership review. So the leadership review was supposed to be uh, in person, in Red Deer. Um, and uh, um, and they uh, and uh, after you already had to have had a membership, um, if you wanted to vote, they moved it to being a mail-in vote. Um, which it sure seemed like the Kinney side knew that it was going to be a mail-in vote. So all they had to do was sell memberships. They didn't have to worry about getting people to Red Deer. Um, and, um, uh, and so, so that board was widely considered to just be trying to help Kenny hold on. Um, and, and, uh, none of the incumbents won. Uh, most of them didn't run, <laughs> but, but, um, uh, but the ones who did try to hold on were, 
pretty soundly defeated. Um, and you had, um, uh, you had a couple unvaccinated people get on the board. You had, uh, um, you had, um, uh, a lot of people who, um, were involved in the truckers convoy or whose churches opposed the restrictions or <laughs> like you had a very much very much driven by um opposition to the establishment in the last three years um was was the makeup of the nine new people who were elect elected elected to the provincial board so um so and so that tells me that tells me that that this is pretty soundly danielle smith's party she's she's going to get she's going to get to show what she can do in an election in six months and um and the only way I, I i think i think the only way she could lose her grip on like she has the trust now um obviously if she were to betray the party in the election somehow then then that would that would be how she would lose it but um, but it sure seems sure seems like things are going more smoothly than than it looked like, and more smoothly than even I would have predicted. Um, and again, I was kind of laughing at the idea that these MLAs were going to be super brave now that it was Daniel Smith and not Jason Kenny telling them to <laughs> kiss the ring. Um, but um, anyway, so it's looking. Um, um, it's looking. It's looking interesting. It's worth. It was worth. Um, uh, it, it was. It was worth watching, because I. I would have believed that there were. There were still some divisions, but it really looks. Uh, it really looks. Really looks like. The Alberta Sovereignty Act was just a good idea. And it was the opposition to it that was motivated by the leadership race, not the support of it. <laughs> um, um, and um, because, uh, yeah, you really didn't get any, you really didn't get any opposition um, to uh, uh, to the Sovereignty Act. I think the one thing that was interpreted as a little bit of a brushback pitch to Danielle's agenda was there was a policy that came to the floor on um uh eliminating layers of of the alberta health services um which is something that that she ran on but the policy wasn't rejected because because it was something danielle ran on it wasn't rejected because people don't like the policy it was rejected because it put very specific numbers on something that might require a little more flexibility than that. So it basically, basically was rejected for being too prescriptive. And from the moment someone pointed that out, no one was willing to defend the policy except for the person who proposed it. Um, and, uh, and, and, and there were, there were plenty of people to stand up and basically make the same argument that it was, that it was too prescriptive. So that's why it went down. It wasn't really, it wasn't really a, um, 
it wasn't really a rejection of uh, Danielle's policies. So, yeah, it, it sure seems like um, sure seems like it's her party to lose, and she may very well lose it. Like <laughs> the party was Jason Kenney's to lose, and he keeps, lost. It. If she keeps apologizing, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, and. I don't know. I hope they get that out of their system. Um, <laughs> um, I say they because I think it's staff. Um, I think our staff needs to um, needs to get used to the extra scrutiny and realize that a hundred people asking you to apologize is not a big deal, mm. and you can just ignore them now. If the um, people who elected to you elected you didn't care about your apology, why do you think? It's a good idea to do it after the effect. It's not even right. like she's apologizing before taking po- like before taking power, like during the during the campaign. It was a right. You know, like that's that. It doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense. Unless it was some. Here's the only thing. That, here's here's what I'm gonna say. I'll, I'll throw out there. Unless it was some backdoor thing to get some of the people she wanted part of her camp, her cabinet. You know, like that's that's the only thing that would make sense for me is that someone would be like, "Well, I'm not taking the job unless you apologize for this." Or I'm not going to do this job unless you say this. I don't know. Only and by the way, I should point out, Alberta is very Ukrainian. Um, <laughs> there, there is especially especially the northern half of Alberta um, has a lot of Ukrainian population um, uh, from 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 2014. When when this first round when this round of wars started, but also also just from uh, from the Holodomor from from various waves of immigration um, from from Soviet domination from even before that, um, uh, actually U- Ukraine it's the the wheat that grows in Alberta is a is from a Ukrainian strain of wheat because they brought it with them. Um, so, so I understand why it's a little more relevant than it would normally be for a provincial leader to feel that she has to apologize for that one, but you didn't have to apologize for it. Like, um, I, so, but yeah, you're right. If, um, and there are Ukrainian members of caucus. So if, if, if that was, if that was a demand for, Hey, like we can, we can work together, but I need an apology on this, then fine. And if we, if we get them all out of the way and, and this isn't just, how her her whole leadership um, is then then great, not a problem. Um, will uh, but um, but yeah it it was a it was a uh, a rough few days of <laughs> of uh, um. And look, I think I said, so let me, let me make a distinction. I think I said 
that one of the smartest things she ever did was apologizing for crossing the floor because because uh, um, back in 2015 she um, yeah it was 2015 or end of 2014 um, she was she was leading the right wing opposition party and she she crossed the floor to the centrist I guess uh, progressive conservative party um, and um, um, and she said she said at the time that with her leading the Wild Rose Party um, and Jim Prentice leading the uh, the Progressive Conservative Party that there there wasn't as much difference between the parties as there was, which was which was true because she was leading the Wild Rose in a little bit too much of a left wing direction, and uh, and Jim Prentice was every bit the conservative she was, <laughs> um, and so so. So yes, that was true, and and your fault. Um, but uh, but anyway, so I said, I said that her apology for crossing the floor was was really smart. Like that if that if Jason Kinney had apologized for setting things up to where pastors got arrested, and said said you know what we can disagree about the value. Of restrictions broadly but that never should have happened and i should have made sure that never happened and that was my fault and it will never happen again i think he would have survived but he never he never made that apology he never he never showed any contrition for the damage he inflicted on people um it's because oh. apologies are never actual apologies like sorry not never rarely actually apologies they're most of the time just meaningless uh virtue signals right right and that's and that's uh, that's the difference right if you are legitimately saying i was wrong to have done this i am asking for your forgiveness and i promise to never do it again like that's an actual apology <laughs> um but um yeah if it would count as an apology in marriage counseling then it counts as an apology. Um, if, <laughs> but, but yeah, if, if it, if it counts as an apology on premier letterhead, but, uh, but wouldn't count <laughs> in marriage counseling, then it, then, then this is the kind that I'm criticizing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, um, and sorry, I should say one more thing in the leaning on the good side for Danielle Smith, she has started openly musing about uh, pardons for people under charges for violating code restrictions. Nice. So that would be great. And I do think, I do think that if Alberta did it, other places in Canada would do it. Mm. Um, and not pardons. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember what they're called. Cle not not clemency. I, I can't remember what it's called because it's not a pardon because it's not criminal. Okay. Um, but but um, but anyway, whatever the um, whatever the term is for 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 basic basically blanket forgiveness of your violations of of these restrictions. Um, she's she's. 
talking with lawyers about how to how to make that happen. So, um, so so there's another there there's another item in the good file um, yeah. for that one. But um, but anyway, yeah. Um, all right, there was there was your probably actually literally this time thirty minutes on on Alberta politics. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so so. I, think it's, I think it's actually time for us to go to state of theology. I think we're going to press into that. So, uh, yeah. To hear more of this conversation, tune into anarchist Bible study episode 82.5. Holy spirit more, but now back to the show. Okay. We're back. Uh, from from the bonus and boy was that a good one i mean all of our bonus episodes are good ones but especially this one not i'm not going to tell you why it was an especially good one i'm just going to make you take it on faith listen to that still small voice that is telling you that this was a good episode and that you need to hear it slash watch it when it comes out and uh and just trust me on this you know like you know and, and you'll get that reference when you do eventually watch it. But now is the time where we go to uh, our reading. And I wanted to say something. First of all, um, we mentioned earlier in the episode that we will not be recording regular episodes next week. We're going to do a uh, Reformation Day live stream. And that means we're also not going to do a reading. So if you're reading along with us, next week is a perfect time to either get caught up or get ahead um, on the reading. Um, because um, we are we are reading... Drosselmeyer, The Watcher's Realm. I have to turn at the right angle so that it doesn't catch the glare off my light. There it is. Uh, by Paul Thompson. This is uh, the book that we have been... We, we've read uh, the first of the trilogy, which is uh, The Curse of the Rat King. And now we are getting into the second of the trilogy. Um, all three have come out. So, uh, And we are going to go through the third one after we're done with this one. So if you're anticipating that, go grab it. Um, but we are... Looking at chapters specifically three and four. But unlike last week, I did not read the third one. Instead of this one, I read this one. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Jeff read the right one. And so we are going to look at it. Um, chapters three and four. Um, I'm, I'm 90% sure I read the right one. <laughs> I read the right one. 90% sure. No. 87. After having uh, seen you hold up the cover to the camera, I am... 100% sure I read the right one. <laughs> there you go. And there's there's the handsome Paul Thompson right on the back right there. Oh, yeah. Friend of the show. Uh, he also did write the third one, though, so that part didn't help me. <laughs> That's true. All right, chapter three. Um, So he's just <laughs> left um, the fight, and um, he's been cut off from his brother. He's been cut off from the fights, which was his outlet. Um, because there, there's more guards on, on patrol. And um, Cora, uh, the widow of Baroda, has left. And he's feeling quite alone, just him and Dahl. And he's really starting to feel that. Um, but he arrives home. He takes a... He wait, and he is wait, woken by the doll, who delivers to him a stack of mail. And among the stack of mail, he finds a letter from Edward. Remember old, good old Edward, his friend from the Southern Kingdom. Um, and he is getting married. Turns out that Edward is getting married in three weeks. And so it's a quick turnaround. 
Um, and, uh, and to a woman named Eleanor, the name is mentioned a few times, so I think it's an important name. Um, but he, he decides because he's become alienated from three of the things that matter the most to him. He's not going to lose the fourth, which is his good friend, uh, or four of the five, I guess, if you want to add Marcy, uh, Mark, Mark, Marzi into this Marzi. Yeah. yeah. I said Marcy though. That's it's not, it's Marzi. Oh, got it. Um, but he, he thought it's good to meet up with Edward, but of course, because he's never been to the Southern kingdom and no one's ever taken him there. He doesn't, he can't, um, transport there by magic. He has to take, uh, a stagecoach. Yes. You cannot and, fast travel a place you have not discovered yet. That's right. Yes. This is typical. Go on. That's a typical, typical rule set for an RPG. That's yeah. right. I was going to say it's true in fallout three. It's true in Drosselmeyer. Um, <laughs> I, I was, I was thinking of uh, Skyrim, I think, but yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, if I played that game, I would know that too. Um, <laughs> but, um, but on the way he finds out that Anadorn is not in good shape. In fact, there's, there's no food, no groceries have been delivered to his infinity room. And he goes, travels to Anadorn because he was already planning on going there. He needs a haircut. Um, needs some other things. And he finds that, uh, first that Blackwell who's in charge of the infinity room and of the, gr- the grocery store. He's going out of business. And, and why is he going out of business? The the king is making everyone take paper money um, at par to their gold. Um, and and he's he's sort of sending his goon squads to uh, to uh, rough up shopkeepers who are who he's accusing of hoarding gold basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's making it really hard for the people who are still trying to use gold. And in fact, he's making it so hard to be a businessman that all of the business are going out of business and Blackwell, uh, who runs this, this shop, who his family's been running the shop and guarding the infinity rooms for generations is closing up shop and leaving and leaves. Uh, and this is an important detail leaves Fritz, Drosselmeyer with a skeleton key and that key uh, doesn't just open the pool. It actually, it doesn't open the door. It shuts it down and not only shuts down his infinity room, but all of them. And so each of the members of the order get one of these keys. And so now the question is, are these infinity rooms going to stay open? Um, And so he has to figure out what he's going to do with all the stuff in the infinity rooms. Are they all going to leave them open? Are, is someone going to shut it down? Feels like that's going to be a major plot point later. Jot that down in your, in your memory. Um, but then he keeps working along and he goes to the book store of Odentry. And there we find um, the, the, the book guy is the uh, most um, uh, ob, uh how do I say this? Um, he certainly is not 
bending a knee. He's not happy about any of this. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, very, very opposed to all of this, but we find another surprise because who comes in to check on the shop to do a gold check, but little Toby, uh, the, the homeless boy who Marzi and Drosselmeyer helped out. He has now grown up and got himself a job with the guard. He's joined, uh, joined the military for three square meals a day and for the chance to rough up businesses. But he seems to be against this and not, not, not for it so much. Embarrassed um, by it. He, he does not anything. like it. And yet we see a phrase that keeps coming up, don't we? What's that phrase that keeps coming up among the guards? Just following orders. Just following orders. And that is always a very moral statement. Uh, it's always a good statement. Um, just following orders. It's, again, it's pretty terrible. But also, um, we, we learn a little bit more about the guard. First of all, they're making everyone say, long live the czar. Uh, Fritz was not bending on that one. But they also address each other as comrade. Oh, yes. Yes. The czar's a freaking commie. Now, so... <laughs> so hang on i one one little moment there though with oh. uh um where he's they're trying to get him to say long live the czar um how i'm trying to find it um uh yeah fritz pushed the sword back in into its sheath with a single digit and squared off with the officer so mm -hmm. he is this He's doing this physically or with magic. I wasn't sure. Um, I took that as physically. Okay. That it wasn't a magical so, move. So the guy is not actually resisting him then is what we can draw from that. Yeah. Seems like it. Yeah. The guy doesn't want to tangle with him. In other words, yeah. it's yeah. not like, not like he, he overrode his ability to, keep his sword sword slightly unsheathed. Yeah. Um he he just he just um by force of personality he won this. Yeah. He won this one. Yeah. And 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 potentially by by threat of using magic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. By um, by implied threat of using magic. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's hard to say hard to say. Um but but I I, I wanted an interpret because I read it at first as he was magically using a single digit to put the sword back. But then I'm like, but then the more I read it, the more that didn't make sense. So anyway, I wanted some clarification there. That's helpful. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're making me second guess, but yeah, uh, that's how I took it. Is that was a, a physical <laughs> finger. Um, but I mean, this is, it's a gold. It's a, it's a gold roundup and they're making it illegal to hold any gold but you have to work with paper and which is flimsy and unhelpful. And, um, and so it seems like everybody is, everybody's ditching. And, and at one point he looks at that, that a dentry does after everyone's gone, he looks at him and he says, we've all been very faithful to the order, keeping their secrets and hunting down special items for them. Maybe you could convince the czar to leave us alone for its bit his lip. We'll see. Odentry slumped in his chair, which is what the order says says when they mean to do nothing. 
And it's not that Fritz doesn't want to do something. I think he's somewhat realizing that this is a bigger job than he'd, uh, and does he have the will to accomplish it? You know, like it's, there was a lot going for Fritz the first time around when he, he took on the czar, like he had Baroda's as backup. He had access to the infinity room, which that's going to be a problem, um, to, to, to draw on for, for materials. It's just looking yeah. harder. Like it's going to be like the economic warfare of the czar might be cutting off, um, the order from their power, from their resources. And that's, that could become an issue. Um, and, and yeah, so that brings us to the end of chapter three, chapter four. It starts with him exploring his infinity room a bit, kind of wondering if he should, seems like he's wondering if he should close up shop, but also trying to figure out what's all in there before potentially someone closes the door on him. Right. And, um, and, and do we, do we know what happens if he's in it when someone Turns the key. You know, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know that we do know that. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a fascinating question. Um, but then, um, but then he's, he's still got his doll. Um, she's going to teach him how to wash clothes. Um, but then he had, then, then the rest of the chapter is, um, him in the carriage bound for the Southern kingdom. And of course it's like, it's like, he's got a one way ticket because he knows he can get back. But, um, uh, at first I was like, does he even get a hotel room? Because like when you can just travel back and forth, but then he, he solves the question of like, yeah, at first he did try to go back home for sleeping, but then he almost missed the stagecoach. So he thought it was safer to actually stay at the hotel so that he would hear the knock on the door when it's time to go. Um, but he, he cheats a little bit. He travels out the, the uncomfortable beds and travels in his fancy bed. Um, but there's some characters on the, on the ride with him. Uh, one Mrs. Mosley, who is obnoxious. Um, and one Rachel, who is uh, seemingly adorable. But let's not forget what happened the last time we saw a pretty face um, that was uh, drawing his attention away from Marzi. She turned out to not be uh, a she at all. And so, <laughs> and so I, I wonder if, if, if he's setting up a love triangle or a potential spy. <laughs> that's, right. That's some of the questions. Like, is he, is he, is he injecting drama or is he injecting the possibility of someone who's going to like someone who's coming in either, either she is a, uh, maybe she's a wit, uh, a wizard woman. I think they're all called wizards in his world. I don't think they're called witches in his world. Um, but, or, or they're once again, someone is, is pretending to be a woman who's not. Um, but there's a, a little bit of, spark there it seems to be more mostly one-sided um but but eventually he does event he does eventually make it i'm just going to overlook your slander of dull when you say that the last time we saw a pretty face you're even you're leaving out poor doll he's home (laughs) doing the laundry (laughs) yes right don't disrespect doll um but they get to the Southern Kingdom, and it's kind of a beautiful place. But but also, it seems like the 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 way they're describing is that the Southern Kingdom, the palace is a much more humble king place. So we're already seeing like kind of a, a more humble rule, uh, nobility, um, more beautiful land, and yet when he meets Edward, he finds out that it's not paradise, 
and the Tsar of the, of the Central Kingdom has been making overtures of war. And this is why Edward's marriage is coming so quickly um, because, well, he says his older brother's wife cannot have a child. But we, we know the real reason <laughs> um, they're not having children. Um, uh, you know, par- uh, he's, he's not quite into his wife. But, um, but th- so he's trying to get all of his brothers married off so they can get an heir in case they go to war and something happens and they need a, an heir for the throne. And so that's, that's kind of the push is that this, this, the central kingdom is threatening war, threatening invasion has been stepping out of their territory. It seems to be implied. They're attacking some of the border towns and taking their gold. And they are insisting that the other kingdoms use their currency to do, to perform trade. Now here's where I'm just like, where does his imagination come up with this idea? This is just a wild and crazy fantasy that I, I can't even think of an analogy. In fact, I'm having trouble believing this. I'm losing a little bit of, of the, the uh, You're saying disbelief. Here. That someone could require the conversion of gold into paper money, close the gold window, if you will, <laughs> um, and, and, and try to set up this paper money as, as some sort of a world reserve currency and that that person is not a crook not a crook at all. <laughs> I love that they're called that. They, they are, however, calling people com, uh, comrade. So yeah. we're, we're not pretending they're capitalists. We are sure that they are in fact a commie. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like this is, this is of course, like, yeah, I, we see where he's getting at. He is, is driving at, um, and, 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 and you know, his, I would say he's not making a libertarian. I'm going to be fair to him and say that he's probably not making right. a libertarian analogy. He's letting his libertarianism uh, inform his story. Right. And, and saying, this is what tyrants do. Right. And, and that's in fact, why right. it is so believable is because we know that it in fact does happen. This is what, ty- this is actually what yeah. tyrants do. Yeah. <laughs> when the central yeah. kingdom's tyrant starts gathering power, he starts with gathering the gold. And also notice this is how he has kind of cut out the legs from under the order. Yes. Like he's cut them off from their resources, which aside from magic, that is one of their major things. Like how are they able to heal themselves and recover magic so quickly? It's because they have access to these resources by which they can make these potions to make uh, so that they can replenish themselves and heal themselves. So even their magic is going, it's going to cut off them them from their magic in some ways by cutting them off from the, their, their, and, 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 and they still have, he talks about how he has a pile of gold in his infinity room, but that gold is becoming quickly unusable. Right. No one's going to take the gold that he has because they're afraid to be caught holding a coin. Like, right. This is a big thing that keeps repeated with all of you. He tries to give coin a coin to, uh, to the grocer to say like, okay, let me have all the, all of the keys and the, he won't even touch the coin. Like that he's got so many resources in the realm of gold coins, but he's cut off from that resource. And because his 
the keeper of his infinity room is being cut off. He's going to be cut off from that resource. And so control the money supply, control the mm-hmm. world. And, and because, um, because our, our friend is, is a libertarian and has that insight into the way, um, the way the world works, he accurately shows what happens. And so this is creating the drama of, Drosselmeyer may be a mighty powerful wizard, but that means nothing if he can't get it, have access to his resources. Even powerful wizards need markets. Yes. <laughs> own the currency, own the world. And this is why the only way for liberty is to end the Fed. Like this is this is again this is why Ron Paul made such a big deal out of that one issue, despite the fact that it seemed right. like such a esoteric issue, is because he rightly saw how almost everything that's gone wrong flows from the the original sin of the Federal Reserve, and and so much of the liberty problems in this world. Now it feeds on innate human greed, innate human corruption, um, the actual original sin, but. It, it activates and twists and uses that in a very insidious way. And, and that's why if we want freedom, we need to free the currency. And by the way, let's point out, um, he's also doing this in preparation for starting a foreign war. Yeah. Because if you're going to be entangling yourself in foreign wars, it is useful to have more centralized yeah. control of the currency. Yeah. So what's going to happen again? We're not going to read this again next week. We're going to two weeks. Uh, and so you can read ahead if you want. And uh, we recommend we would, we would uh, welcome that um, because that's going to get you. Um, but, but yeah, again, we're not going to be reading again next week. So we're talking, we're going to pick up again in two weeks with chapter five. Um, and in the meantime, um, make sure you tune in to our Reformation Day stream. It's going to happen next Sunday at 930. It's an earlier time than we're than um, our, our contributing members are used to, although um, it's a way earlier time than they're actually used to because we're always late. But uh, we're, we're going to try and get started at about 930, 945 ish, um, just to be realistic. But um we're going to do a live stream. We're going to do a live stream right here on the anarchist Bible study channel. And then we're going to have our trap till you drop uh, marathon, um, which will be fueled not by, by a combination of mountain dew and rage. And, um, but I wanted to make one more as we're, we're, we're coming to a close in a preambling. I wanted to make a, a, a push to our audio listeners. Um, so I am looking to, diversify the platforms on which our show uh, our show is run um, specifically Odyssey I have a lot of hope in that in that project and and uh, but one thing that I uh, in trying to mirror our channel to Odyssey I found out that they only do that for shows that have a hundred subscribers or more and we are currently sitting at 83 um, we're currently sitting at 83 subscribers so if you're an audio listener, and we know that we have a, a good amount of audio listeners. Um, if you wouldn't mind going over to our, our YouTube well, channel. First of all, if you're watching us on YouTube and you haven't subscribed, please do. Yes. That, for for that's one thing, please do that. Very simply, very straightforwardly. 
don't worry. It doesn't matter. YouTube will not actually show you the things you subscribe to anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it will not affect your YouTube yeah. use at all for uh, everything I can tell. Yeah. Um, y- you'll be informed. You'll be informed of our live stream next week. Yeah. Um, if you're subscribed, that's, that's about all I've noticed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, matters unless you click the notification bell which we recommend that as well but but at least subscribe if you could just do us the favor of subscribing both to the uh casual and unsubscribed youtube viewers and to audio if you could just go over there that would be first of all it helps with the algorithm like we'll just be honest about that it's going to help us to reach more people um but the big thing is i'm really wanting to to um mirror our channel on odyssey and we need 100 subscribers to do that and so we would really appreciate it. Even if you, even if you're not tuning in every week into every episode, um, just give us a subscribe so that we can do that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, um, look out for the, for our trop episodes that are going to be coming to you, uh, soon and, uh, uh, get all the rage. Get all the rage. But if you want to join us, if you want to stay up all night and watch and, and stream this, live stream this with us, we're going to be doing that in our secret Discord channel. And you can be part of that by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover. And for just $1 a month, you both have access to the live stream as it happens, the hidden, the secret live stream. And so you can watch it all in, in, in the original way that it was uh, recorded, including a uh, exclusive pre-show that is only for our subscribing audience or our paid audience. Um, and also you can, uh, go into our secret discord where we have great conversations about exegesis. We had some really great exegetical conversations this last week. Um, some, some good theological questions. You can, um, pepper us with questions or join me and peppering Patrick with questions as was the case this last week. Uh, and, and you can, you get to hang out with us. You get to hang out with, um, our, our, some of our awesome subscribers and, 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 um, other, we've got a great community in there that you can hang out with. Um, and also you get to support us, um, because daddy needs a new focus, right? Um, <laughs> uh, my focus, right. is causing me a lot of problems and I'd really like to get another one. And you can, you can support us in, in accomplishing that. Um, but of course, you know, most of all, uh, again, subscribe, like comment, share, follow five-star rating all the stuff that helps us in our reach uh, uh, of reaching new people um, share it on social media and all your social media. Tell all your friends, give them a call and say, Hey, um, do you got time to waste? Boy, do I have a show that you can waste your time on? And uh, we will take that wa- time waster. Uh, and also you can send us, uh, you can leave a comment that out al- that helps the algorithm. And also we would love to interact with you through the comments. Um, or if you want to send us a, a slightly more uh, extensive um, you can uh, comment. You can go to anarchistbiblestudy at gmail.com and send us an email that way. Um, un- unless what you're going to do is uh, wish us um, harm on our trop to your drop, in which case we have a different email for that. And that email is it's dot pronounced dot uruk at gmail.com. I'm looking forward to slash dreading uh, getting that reference. Understanding that reference. <laughs> Um, but yeah, most importantly, subscribe and join us next week. We take anarchy to church here on the anarchist Bible study, but that's not how we end this up this show. No, we end the show a different way. We say, do you want to do it this time? Enough with the quail sauce. Give me the meat and give it to me raw. Oh wait, no, that's another. 
It's another trout preference. Um, <laughs> enough preambling. Let's get to the show. This has been preambling. For more, tune in to Anarchist Bible Study episode 82. Finally, we disagree. Grace and peace.